0: Just like most episodes, this one contains strong language. Who are Kenyatta and Jack?
1: We're just friends who are Gen Xers, former Air Force brats, parents, taxpayers, and citizens of the earth.
2: And we're here to save it, one podcast at a time.
1: another shrimp on the barbie get a beer sit back snuggle in because we are here with you again for another week it is i kenyatta and my partner in crime and co-host jack and we are here for our never-ending quest to save the doggone world we're tired let me just say that we're tired we're tired but we're
2: here it's been a rough week (laughs) been a rough week people not listening to us
1: certainly certainly but uh here we are here we are again. here we are yeah if it's if if it can be said we're tired but tireless does it
2: that's true we will or we're
1: gluttons for punishment one or the other like the
2: 300 at thermopylae we're just yes keep fighting on
1: correct correct
2: just minus the abs
1: Thank God. Because was... to be honest, the first time I saw that movie, I was really distracted for half of it by all that. I was just like, what's the story again? What?
2: <laughs> yeah, there there was definitely a lot of abs.
1: Yes, a lot of abs and a lot of arrows. So, yeah, we're like that. We're like that. That's right. We're here to, we're here to take on the Persians and whoever else. So, yeah.
2: Exactly. Exactly.
1: All righty then. Yeah, we're gonna get right into it, I suppose. Yeah, and I believe you are going to lead us off today with your WTF.
2: That's right. My WTF is a happy WTF, and it actually brings up some some things that we've discussed on the podcast in the past. Um. Actually, though, before I go on, I had a thought earlier today that our podcast has now been on long enough that we get to say we've discussed this in previous podcasts, and it was like more than two podcasts ago.
1: Correct. (laughs) But it's interesting you say that because we actually did most recently discuss it two episodes ago. (laughs) Right, <laughs> So we' it's all correct at the same time. So yeah,
2: yeah, yeah but uh, mine is. I was uh, happy to see that Joe Biden fulfilled a campaign promise, and he has uh, pardoned all the people in the federal penitentiary system for minor marijuana possession charges, which I think is fantastic. I, of course, think marijuana should be legalized and regulated just like alcohol. But one of my big pet peeves is that there are people serving time for one joint that is a longer sentence than someone who raped someone. That has really pissed me off. But on top of that, that is a bunch of redirection of a waste of funds to where it really needs to be used in the prison system. So uh, I'm not saying I want the entire country to become a Cheech and Chong film. (laughs)
1: <laughs>
2: but, <laughs> you know, I, I do think that this is uh, something that has come. And now if we can get rid of it being a Schedule 1 drug. I mean, marijuana is a Schedule 1 drug, which means it's the most banned of banned and fentanyl is not.
1: Yeah, it's up there supposedly with uh, Heron, which is a mind blower to me. You're you telling yeah. me these two these two drugs are is equally as dangerous. What? Yeah. I'm sorry. All, all all marijuana. So I've heard has ever made anyone do is eat, sleep, and laugh at inappropriate things.
2: Correct. That's yeah. also what I've heard. From
1: what I've heard, other Tommy people.
2: Chong, Cheech, Man,
1: <laughs> Snoop.
2: Snoop Dogg, Willie Nelson.
1: Willie Nelson, yeah. Yeah. Um what's the other kid's name, the other rapper? Uh, Wiz, Khalifa. Wiz Khalifa.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, all of them. They say that.
2: Mm-hmm. Yes.
1: All of them. <laughs> 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 oh goodness. But that is a step a step finally in the right direction. So
2: Yes. Now to get states okay. to do the same thing.
1: Yes. They're they're slowly you know, coming on board, some of them quietly, some of them with a lot of fanfare, but they're they're coming along. So, you know, we will see. We yeah. See.
2: It's a good start. You got to start somewhere. and You do. That's a good start for me. So I'll take <laughs> what I can get at this point. And Indeed. Maybe now some of the funds used to incarcerate those for a stupid ass charge can go to incarcerating those with that have committed real crimes, like say over a hundred pieces of classified documents. Oh God, did I bring that up? I did. Did you?
1: Oh my God, that's so perfect of a segue into my.
2: <laughs> oh, this is beautiful. Go for it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I don't talk about. I don't talk about the Cheeto, the former Cheeto in charge often, but when I do, I want to make sure it's spicy. So <laughs> if uh maybe if you've been paying attention, even if you haven't, because everything apparently is news nowadays. Uh Maggie Haberman, a New York New York Times journalist, released a book recently about the Orange Cheeto. Uh called, I believe, uh Confidence Man. All yes. about every all about everybody's favorite former president. And apparently it's got a lot of tidbits. Not that I will be Going out to find it. I don't, I read his niece's book, which was disturbing. I don't know that I can possibly get through another book talking about him. I don't know. I might feel differently some months down the road. I don't know. But in her book, apparently, she states that uh, Trump resented having to sign letters for U.S. troops killed in Afghanistan during his presidency because he didn't want to, quote, attach his name to a war he disliked.
2: I, You know, nothing surprises me with that guy, especially after, you know, commenting that he doesn't like POWs because if they were real men, they wouldn't have been captured, or however it was he phrased
1: that. Yeah, when he was talking shit about McCain. yeah. Yeah. I mean, so that
2: honestly doesn't surprise me, but
1: at the same time. It does and it doesn't, because as I I imagine multiple people have said countless times, it is not all about him. But apparently because he was not fond of it, because it was an unpopular war, he didn't want to sign off on these letters. Um Dude, it was a part of your job. It's a matter of common decency. Yeah. Are you kidding me? But I don't like it, so I don't want my name attached to it. But you sure were eager to sign off on them letters that went out for everybody's rebates a couple years ago. Yeah, right. You attach, right. Your, you attach your name to that, but you won't do it for this. Get out of here.
2: Right, you'll uh, here. you'll sign off on you know people that committed pretty shitty crimes when you pardon them. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. don't have a problem with your name being attached to that.
1: No, no.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And I,
1: you know, I, I skimmed over that list of pardons because there was a lot of people I have never heard of. But then there were some significant standouts. And I was like, what's the reason? Just because he can? Yeah. Like, literally, just because he can. That's fine. And I should also point out that uh, Miss Hamerman's book, which I actually read this a couple of weeks ago also contains Trump's admittance last year. Last year that he said that he knew he had taken the shit out of the White House. He didn't look at yeah. nobody.
2: Yeah, and then he realized, because <laughs> at first he was like, nothing is significant, but because the man can't stop bragging about <coughs> himself, of course, then he ups to get, well, you know, actually there were some, Yeah, but then he realized, uh oh, I fucked up but the national archives has him okay
1: hmm. sure yeah. yeah sure sure and of
2: course then they announced today that he may still have more stuff
1: oh yeah. yeah oh yeah and of course you know he's you know formulating some bs about no 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 of course not yeah. okay if that's, if they that's, wanted
2: that's, him back just ask
1: just ask we're not we're not going to play this game anymore with this man we cannot we no. cannot nobody no. can afford to it's ridiculous
2: yeah, Stop. good old alumnus of the show, Donald J. Trump.
1: It's disgusting. It's disgusting, and you know, I don't talk about it much, but this one I couldn't, I couldn't bypass it. I couldn't bypass how incredibly emotionally immature that was for him to say something like that about fallen soldiers. How dare you?
2: Yeah, it's it's really <laughs> disgusting. It's, oh, it's disgusting.
1: It is. It is it is and and there's still people out there that that still back him up even though you know you know we're, we're talking about the documents that he didn't have and then you know he had them but he wasn't trying to find anybody to give them back and then you know he's been threatening people lately calling Mitch McConnell's wife out
2: Yeah his acts of sarcastic terrorism are he he's done that a lot lately like when he says <laughs> I will pardon all the January 6th people That's basically saying, whatever you do, I will, as long as you are doing it for me, I will pardon you. He's Mm -hmm. just basically saying, do it again. And then the whole, well, if I get indicted, there might be some people that aren't happy about that. Once again, another case of that. And then the Uh whole Mitch McConnell thing is another case of that. But, yeah, go on. He's a guy that's all about law and order. Oh, yeah. Which he said today in a speech. Sure, sure. I don't know what the, laws he's talking about or order, but
1: no. they're not any I don't think there're any that you know we actually operate off of in this country, but go off <laughs> go off oh man i'm I'm sick about it, I'm sick about it, but there it is, there it is, so we're gonna we're gonna get out of that cesspool'cause i I feel stinky already
2: all it's right sneaky. i I agree. I agree. So let's, let's move on, shall we?
1: We shall.
3: All right. Game Peel, it seems to me, is like the result looking at SNL, looking at Mad TV and going, we could be doing so much more and, and we could approach this differently that, that I would have just assumed that you were plotting and planning the whole
4: time. Kudos to Jordan. It was Jordan who was plotting and planning the whole Interesting. time. Interesting.
3: Okay. Jordan,
4: I know, felt fettered at Mad TV. Jordan was becoming, no one was, pay, not enough people were paying attention. There were some people paying attention, but not enough people were paying attention that the greatest sketch writer of the 21st century was building his chops on that television show. And we had talked about working together and we'd done a couple things in between. I was on the sitcom. He had done a, um, he had done a, a, a pilot for Fox that didn't go. So my sitcom got canceled and his pilot for Fox didn't go. And our manager said, would you guys be interested in doing something together? Because I've got a situation that I think I can leverage. And we did. And then he and I used to meet and we would we would perform sketches to the point on the table read days to the point where all the writers and some of the producers would get super excited to see us perform our sketch. Does that come from an improv background? Absolutely. <laughs> Standing and interacting with each other, always better than reading it on the page. Always, always, always,
3: always. So when you guys got the opportunity to to write your own sketches for Key & Peele, how much space would you leave for that very kind of thing? In the beginning,
4: in the first season, we didn't leave much space. We didn't improvise a lot in the first season. He didn't. Jordan said, I want finally to be, now that I've been given the opportunity, I want you and me to sit here and write bulletproof sketches so that we get lauded for good writing. And so he's like, a planner. Oh he's a planner. He's, he's a chess a player, a plotter, a chess player, a strap all in a not, not pejorative, in a good way. Yeah. He was the one saying, let's make it bulletproof. Then we sat down, he I sat down with him one day and said, look, buddy, we've got a skill set that I think we could be utilizing more. You and I, I believe we are magic together when we're together and we're improvising. We've got to spend more time having fun. And I would say in the history of King Peel, a lot of the scenes that seem to really crackle. For people, are when Peter locked off a couple of cameras, wide here, punch in here, punch in there,
2: action. All right, I'm sure you may have figured out we're going to discuss can pill.
1: Yes, we we are on a roll the last couple episodes, so we decided pretty much on the fly after after finishing up our last episode. You know, we want to want to dabble into in some comedy, and it's it's all relevant. It's all relevant, so that's that's what we're gonna do because we can do that.
2: Yeah, there uh, there'll be a couple more clips. That's from the Sam Jones interview show. I believe it used to be on A and E, but it's a great interview with the key half of Key and Pill. Mm-hmm. And um, I thought that was just sort of a fantastic way of introducing Key and Pill. And who better to do it than him? Because I just felt that was better than we would have been able to say it. I mean, it
1: absolutely. Started, so. uh, the fact that he said that they were they did magic together, like, that's accurate. That's yeah. the most accurate way to put the work that they've done together. And, and, and since then, I think. But, yes, absolutely. They are just... And it's funny that Sam, the host, he mentions... I think that's him that mentioned Saturday Night Live and Man TV, and I'm yes, like, yes, yes, okay. But you're not mentioning, you know, In Living Color, haha, <laughs> or um, this other one's in my head, Chappelle. You're not mentioning those because those are directly influences, right? To that show. I mean, you can not that they're not that King Peel ever copied them, but you can see the influence in there and the, the boundaries that they push. So it's in there, right? They're right, I, in there.
2: I think. It- Probably has to do with the fact that they were cast members of Mad TV. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yes.
2: And since it was more about them and their career, and I think that's probably probably why, could
1: if I had to guess. Be,
2: be.
1: But he he summed it up pretty well about how they they work together because you can look at them and tell that even though it's not a live show. I can't imagine how many times they broke character in some of those skits because (laughs) just thinking about some of them, like the one one that pops in my head, I'm jumping ahead. I'm sorry. That's fine. (laughs) The one that pops in my head is the two, the two ladies at church talking about taking down Satan. (laughs) (laughs) It's weak. It's, it's so, they're so ridiculous and vulgar and it is funny. Absolutely ridiculous, but I digress. Let's get into some, some, some background details about these gentlemen. I'm eager for it. Mm -hmm. Yeah,
2: for sure. Um, Did, did you have something pulled up that you're going to talk about on their background or did did you want uh, uh, me to play another clip real quick or how do you want to?
1: Well, we can dabble a little bit into uh, them in particular guess we can talk about who we just heard, Keegan-Michael Key. Yep. Let's dabble into him first. Because it's. I think it's easy to say at this point you're thinking Peel is the more successful one, but he's. they've gone different directions and have been equally successful, I think.
2: I, I agree. I agree with so, that assessment.
1: Keegan-Michael Key Born in 1971. Um, let's see, spent six seasons, as he mentioned, as a cast member on Mad TV between 2004 and 2009, and made some guest appearances on Whose Line Is It Anyway? Um, he also appeared alongside uh, Jordan Peele in the first season of the FX series Fargo in 2014. And that first season, if you've never seen the TV series Fargo, it is a gem. Check it out. There's four seasons of it, and I should also add a fellow comedian stars in the fourth season, Chris mm-hmm. Rock. Yeah, he does a he does a wonderful job. Um, let's see, let's see. Key was born in Michigan, and if you didn't know, both him and Peel are of what they call biracial heritage—one black parent, one white parent. So that makes their 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 takes on on things. Um, I won't say more interesting, just from a different slant. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I was I was surprised when I found that out, because I didn't know that from the jump when I first started watching the show. I was like, oh, okay.
2: That's actually, um, I'm glad you brought that up. One of the clips I have is actually uh, him talking about that and how uh, code switching was sort of part of their uh, part of their life. Yes. And how it was part of the show. Um, Mm -hmm. So, I don't know if you want me to go ahead and play that real quick, since it's what we were just talking about, or...
1: Oh, sure, sure.
2: Okay, cool. Here we go. This is about another minute or minute and a half, I guess. Here we go.
3: It's funny, you say you got your 10,000 hours between the age of, you know, 3 and 10. (laughs) Yeah. I wonder how much you dealt with fear... During that part of your life.
4: I think every, like, using the, like, the concept of code switching,
3: which is a big theme that run certainly ran through Key and Peel,
4: and I think runs intrinsically through both me and Jordan's life, is that everybody just chose what they're, we all do code switching for
3: survival. Simply for social survival. Right. And I would imagine your situation was confusing. Because you were probably seen at school as one way, and then you'd come home, and, and oh, yeah. okay. cut back 30 years ago, I came home, and I,
4: from school one day, and I was like, um, um, yeah, ma, I mean, how, how you want me to help you with a dinner? You want me to help you with dinner? My mom's like, what are you doing? What, what? Why are you talking like that? <laughs> My mother just said, why are you talking like that? And I just, You're stuck between these two worlds because all I want is to be comfortable and accepted. So I need to be accepted by you and I want to be accepted by them. So they're going to talk like this and that's how their parents talk. That's how they was raised. So that's how you're supposed to speak. And my mother would then say to me, but don't, you're not, you're not using proper English. And we live in America and I need you to use prop, I would really appreciate if you use proper English. You don't need to talk like that, honey. Just be yourself. Easy for you to say, ruddy, complected, white lady from northern illinois farming community <laughs> you know what i mean that's where but then she had her own her own situation when she was younger in that and that
3: element well it's it's it goes back to the idea of when you're a kid you have certain things that are your truths and then you look back and they're incredibly naive and i would think that for you with with all of that going on you probably carried some inaccuracies for a while about Life that had to be worked out. I mean, is there a good example of that? Well, I remember saying to my
4: a professor. So this would have been I was in graduate school, and I said to my professor, "Oh, I want to be in Hamlet really bad. and I want to play Horatio." And I remember my professor saying to me, "Why Horatio?" I'm like, "Well, he's his best friend. I feel like that—that's who I am. I'm the best friend guy. I'm the good time guy that everybody likes." And he goes, "But why couldn't you play Hamlet?" And I go, "I don't, uh, nah. but why? Why are you? Why are you not?" You're getting the same training all these other actors are. You're handsome. Uh, What? No. I'm the funny guy. Shut up. No, no, no. You're handsome and you're vibrant and you could play the lead in a play, especially the most important play in Western civilization. You could play Hamlet. I wanted to punch him. Stop fucking with my mythos. Right. I want to, no, I don't want to push beyond my comfort zone. I want to stay here. I'm Horatio. I'm the fifth lead in the play. I don't think you're the fifth lead in the play. I think you could play Hamlet. He wouldn't shut up. Kept on talking, why can't you play Hamlet? Why can't you play Hamlet? You know, and and that's another story. I had just made up in my mind, I'm never going to be as good as these other people. And so it's okay that I don't get the lead. No, it's fine. It's fine if I don't get the lead.
1: Hmm. That um, That is a tricky thing to try to work around when you grow up with that mindset. And it's yeah. interesting to hear him say that and then to see him perform. You would never know that he was played with those kind of self doubts. That's that's something else.
3: Yeah,
2: I think it's important to hear. Yeah. Too, oh yeah,
1: definitely.
2: Your end product isn't you know, it's <laughs> not where you start. And he may have felt that way, but he's definitely his professor was correct. Mm-hmm. And thank God his professor told him that.
1: Oh yeah, definitely. Definitely that, because we would have been deprived of some solid comedic genius, and that would have been the, the world would have been poorer for it. So it,
2: yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, definitely. And, and once again, I he is such a. I see why he's so good at improv, mm-hmm. and acting in general. Um, the way he communicates ideas is so elegant. And on point, and oh yeah, thoughtful, and I, I I obviously am not that elegant when I speak, so
1: <laughs> maybe, maybe that's
2: why I appreciate it
1: <laughs> I mean I mean I think I think that may be like a characteristic you grow into when you do the kind of work that he and and peel and um, other comedians like them do improv comedy sketches. I think you kind of grow into that. So it's, I love hearing him talk those kinds of things out. It's, it's something else. It's something else. But, um, let's see. During or more like after his time on Mad TV, he starred in some movies, obviously, um, mostly like small roles, cameos, things like that. Um, I'm seeing here and I remember now, uh, he was in a movie called Due Date. Back in 2010, that had uh, Robert Downey Jr. in it, hilarious, and he he plays a a, a new father, I guess at the uh, I think it's at the hospital or something like that because Downey Jr.'s wife was expecting. He's trying to get home before her due date, so on so forth. Right, right. Um, he was also in had small roles in Horrible Bosses Two, Pitch Perfect Two, uh, Vacation, which was the updated. National Lampoon Vacation movie that came out in 2015. The one with Rusty. Yes. (laughs) He also did Keanu back in 2016. I think some people had concerns about what that was supposed to be, but, you know, everything is for everybody. You can be a genius, but nobody's 100%. That's all I'm going to (laughs) say. That's all I'm going to say. He's done some voice work over the years, including um, Hotel Transylvania 2, the Hotel Transylvania movies are really cute, by the way. Uh, part two, part three. He also did Toy Story 4, um, the live-action version of The Lion King, um, and again, the most recent Hotel Transylvania that came out this year, voicing the same character. And a lot of also has had a lot of work in television. Um, again, mostly small parts or cameos. Um, I mentioned earlier. He and Peel played FBI agents in the first season of Fargo, and they were absolutely hilarious because they were so absolutely useless. It was funny. Anyway, uh, <laughs> uh, he had Fargo. He had a couple appearances on Parks and Recreation, also absolutely hilarious show. Um, let's see. He did voice work for Rick and Morty for a couple of episodes, um, The Muppets. And let me just say, I don't think you can be considered a celebrity if you've never appeared on The Muppets or The Muppet Show. That's just how I feel about it. Right. Um, <laughs> and like I said, he's done work here and there. And I especially liked him a couple years ago when he was in, uh, I think it was the Netflix Christmas movie that he did. Um, Jingle Jingle. He played a villain. But it was it was such a good movie. He did such a good job with that. So I've I've always been um every time I come across something with him in it, I know I'm guaranteed a good watch. So i yeah. if I'm if I'm just looking for something to watch and I come across him, I'll stop, I'll pay attention to whatever he's doing. I like him that he's a good egg. So
2: Yeah, yeah, he he definitely is. He definitely is. I suppose we would be remiss if we were going to discuss Key and Pill and not talk about what may be a top five comedy skit in the history of the universe,
1: mm-hmm. yes, we would be. So let's go.
2: That's right. Uh, prepare to. If you're at work, folks, you might want to hold your giggles in, so your your coworkers don't think you're having a stroke. From hearing. Oh my <laughs> Alright, listen up, y'all.
4: I'm y'all substitute teacher, Mr. Garvey. I taught school for 20 years in the inner city. So don't even think about messing with me. Y'all feel me? Mm-hmm. Okay, let's take a roll here. Jay Quellen. Where's Jay Quellen at? No Jay Quellen here.
2: Yeah. Uh do you mean Jacqueline?
4: Okay, so that's how it's gonna be. Y'all wanna play. Okay then. I got my eye on you, Jake Balake. Where is Balake at? There's no Balake here today.
1: Yes, sir.
4: My name is Blake. Are you out of your goddamn mind?
1: Lake.
4: What? <laughs> Do you want to go to War Malaki? No. Cause we couldn't. No. I'm for real. I'm for real. So you better check yourself. D nice. Is there a D nice? If one of y'all says some silly ass name, this whole class is gonna feel my wrath. Now, D nice. Do you mean Denise? Son of a bitch! <laughs> you say your name right, right now. Denise. Say it right. Denise. Correctly. Denise. Right. Denise. Right. Denise. That's better. Thank you. <laughs> now, a. a. Ron, where are you? Where is A. A. Ron right now? No, A. a. Ron, huh? Well, you better be sick, dead, or mute. A. A. Ron. Here.
3: Yeah. Oh man. Yeah.
4: Why didn't you answer me the first time I said it, huh? Huh? I'm just, you know, I'm just asking you, know, I said it like four times, so why didn't you say it the first time I said A-A-Ron?
5: Because it's pronounced Aaron? Son
4: of a bitch! You done messed up, A-A-Ron! Now take your ass on down to Oshag Hennessy's office right now and tell him exactly what you did! Oshag Hennessy! Principal O'Shaughnessy? Get out of my goddamn classroom before I break my foot off in your ass. Insubordinate and churlish. (laughs) Timothy.
0: Present.
1: Thank you. (laughs) And in case you've ever wondered what the hell churlish means, it basically is being rude, <laughs> but you gotta you gotta acknowledge the pure irony in him in him calling anybody rude. <laughs> when he broke a clipboard in half because he cut, he thought the kids was messing with him. <laughs> I know, I know,
2: I know. Woo. Yeah. Um. The next oh. thing I have is actually him talking about uh that skit on, um, on the Sam Jones, uh, program and why it works out the way it does it, which explains his, his genius. Cause mm-hmm. I'm, they're both geniuses. I don't have yeah. as many interviews with the Jordan Peele half. They were surprisingly difficult to come by that weren't talking about his recent slate of horror films. Mm-hmm. So that's why it's more of a key heavy side <laughs> or or <laughs> program. But um, yeah, this, this explains a ton, a ton.
3: There's this great quote about improv of, you, you, and I'm, I'm sure this is the first thing anyone latches onto, but I latched onto it, which is uh, first you, you get, you get up in the air and then you build the plane.
4: Right, exactly. Or the other, uh, the other, the other, uh, the other uh, saying is uh, jump off the cliff and figure it out on the way down. People think that improvisation is moving forward. What improvisation really is, it's walking backward. And while I'm still looking at you, like right now I go, oh, I'm here with Sam Jones. Now as I back up, I see there's a light there. Oh, what's the light? Oh, that's a set. Oh, I'm on a set. Oh, so Sam Jones must be a person who works on a set. Then I keep backing up, I see this chair, I see that chair. I go, oh, he's an interviewer. Then I keep backing up to Nate and I go, oh, that's the sound man, what's this room? Oh, this is like a small show. It's backing up that gives you discovery. Giving the larger worldview. Yes, the, as you back up, you can create a larger worldview. People think it's moving forward. People always go, I can't think that fast. No, 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 no. Don't think that fast. Just listen to the last thing he said. The first thing you do in the sketch is you set the parameters first. In sports, Dr. Na- Naismith, on sure. down the line said, so then what we'll do is we'll put these squares here, 94 feet, between, 94 feet yeah. here. We'll agree that anything outside of these lines, the ball is no longer in play and you have to give it to the other team. We set up those rules, then inside those parameters, do whatever we want. Right. You do whatever you want. So in a sketch like substitute teacher, Yeah. We set up, my friend Rich, our our friend Rich Tellerico, who wrote the sketch, he set up the rules in the deft, in the most deft way he could. He set up the rules with a lot of aplomb, using social constructs. I'm from the inner city. You already make observations about what kind of person Garvey is, right? For sure. For sure, right? He goes, I'm from the inner city. I ain't here. I ain't gonna take nobody's guff. Let's take roll call. You don't know what yet, but you know who he is. So you already have immediately you know who he is. And in your brain, you have a list of assumptions about that human. Right. Then when he says Jay Quellen, you still don't know what's going on. And you go, your brain might be going right here. There must be a black girl here. Right, exactly. Then you cut to the classroom. There are no black kids. Okay. All right. You're watching it. You're backing up. You're backing up. You're backing up. Then that girl raises her hand and she goes, do you mean Jacqueline? <laughs> all right, Jake Quillen, you. Ju- right? There, those are the rules. We just set up the rules. Right. And then all I do is play basketball for the next four minutes. Balake, D Nice, A A Ron, Oshag Hennessy, Timothy. Right. It, you, you go, oh, I know the rules. The audience goes, I know the rules. And then we delight in how we play
2: the game. Isn't that a? I mean, that's just so. He gives a master class in that interview. If you can go and find that full interview, it's like an hour and ten minutes or something like that. It is, it is worth it because it's a master class in acting, improv, all of it. It's a master class.
1: I, I, I believe it just from that little bit. I absolutely agree. I, I really do need to dig in a little more and hear more of their their interviews because I've I've heard. I've actually heard more interviews with Jordan Peele, and that was even before his first movie came out. And then, of course, since I've seen him in several interviews, and then he's also, um, he also took part in a, a documentary about African-Americans and horror films called Horror Noir, which is on, I think it's, it's AMC, but they have like a streaming horror movie service called Shudder. And that's right. what the documentary is. It's a very good documentary. It was too short for me, because African Americans and horror have an extensive history, but they do a very good job of of uh, covering the history of that. So that's another one I would I would point out just just in general if you're a film buff. Right. So. Yeah. But yeah. For sure. Since, since we're talking about uh, Mr. Peel, you know, and I don't I don't know that I I don't know that I need to go over a whole lot because. In the general public, his name is more out there than Key is, which is unfortunate because, you know, as we mentioned, they're equally talented, but um, his background is, is a lot the same. Starting out on Mad TV, as far as, you know, big exposure, um, he spent five seasons on there as well. And it happens that he and Key were actually competing when they auditioned for Mad TV. They were competing against each other, but it was decided to add both of them to the cast. And again, I'm glad they made that decision because we would have been at a loss had we not had them together like that. Um, yes. He was on Mad TV from 2003, 2008. And then afterward, let's see. Of course, he's got a lot of smaller parts in movies, but he spent a lot of time uh, as writer and executive producer on a lot of projects. Um, Which oh, he's, he's still
2: doing now. I mean. He is.
1: Oh, yeah, definitely. He's got, let's see. He did an episode of Drunk History, which is funny as I don't know what.
2: Oh, yeah. He,
1: he did some uh, voice work for Robot Chicken and Rick and Morty, which were on Cartoon Network, uh, Bob's Burgers, Big Mouth, which that wasn't my thing. But hey, everything isn't for everybody. But um And of course, he had what I thought was a pretty good reboot of Rod Serling's Twilight Zone. Yep. Two seasons of that. Um had some very interestingly updated and relevant uh, episodes, and he actually had an episode of that where he redid an old episode of Twilight Zone, which was, I think it was The Nightmare at 30,000 Feet, and he redid it. He re- updated it and rebooted it, and it came off so well. Um And again, he spent a lot of time not just acting in these things, but also being behind the camera. And of course, everybody at this point knows the three movies that he's directed on his own, Um, But he's also been executive producer on a handful of things in the most recent years. Black Klansman. Excellent. Um, The Mm -hmm. it wasn't a reboot. If you've seen Candyman, the 2021 version, you realize it's not necessarily a reboot, but he was an executive producer of that. Um, Also executive producer of this year's Honk for Jesus, Save Your Soul with the outstanding (laughs) Regina Hall and Sterling K. Brown. All praise due. Um, so he's been a very busy man. They both have been, but Peel has found himself doing a lot of the behind the camera work, uh, more so than, uh, he has. But again, equally successful, but they've just gone on different paths at this particular point. And I, I know I can speak for you when I say we're fans of all of it. So they can do what they yeah. want to. Oh, right.
2: yeah, yeah, for sure.
1: <laughs> yeah. They can do yeah. what they want. So.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, definitely, definitely. They're, I was so sad when they ended their show. <laughs> I understand oh, yeah. why they did. It's probably better that they left on top, to be mm-hmm, honest. Mhm.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes, definitely. Cuz there there was actually a point, especially during the last season, where you can see uh they they made some format changes to how the show was um uh, was being produced. Um especially like with the opening, the opening of the show where they had like the fading in and out pictures, and they had the theme song, and it was like a direct pull from um oh, what was the show? Of uh, 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 HBO True Detective. Mm-hmm. They yeah. they pu- they pulled the style True Detective, which was an awesome opening credit sequence. But you could tell there were a lot of changes going on that very last season. So they were still good, but I think I think what we saw that last season, they were kind of like slowing down to a certain extent, and that's fine because. Wherever they want to evolve to, again, we're fans for it. So as you, as listening fans, you can already tell. So Hmm.
2: when you're, I think when you're that creative and talented as they are, even though it was a skit show and it was always different, I think Mm -hmm. that they probably maybe kind of got where they were ready to move on. Not bored. I'm not saying they were bored with it, Mm -hmm. but I think. They were ready to, okay, we've done this thing, now let's go and do another thing. And all creatives are like yes. that.
1: Yes, definitely.
2: Definitely. So, um, one thing I do probably need to throw in here, uh mm-hmm. we obviously claim no ownership of any of these clips that we are playing. and <laughs> we, are, we are playing them for educational purposes, <laughs> because we're educating you on how frickin' funny they are. Absolutely. So... <laughs>
1: Keep it in mind, listening
2: yeah. audience. <laughs> so uh hopefully the person I'm I'm gonna play this other thing because it sort of plays in with kind of everything we've been talking about. Um and hopefully where this clip comes from, hopefully a certain uh Conan O'Brien's people don't find out that we're playing this clip. So <laughs> 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 but I think it it's another great example of, of the genius of them.
5: You guys met on Mad TV, and you were, you were cat. Oh, that's right, that's Somebody fine. Somebody saw you. There's yeah, a, yeah. We have a, a single solitary family. One single solitary family. No, 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 they're just very shy. Unless okay. it's about Catholicism, they just keep oh, it under wraps. No, no, no. Uh, you guys met on Mad TV, you, you were, you were sort of cast for the same sp- Spot. Is that r- fair to say? I think that you that know that was
0: say. that's kind of the perception is you know the you, you got two black guys coming into a sketch show that already has a black guy on it that already had a black well, guy. That's right, Harry Spears. Harry Spears. Spears. Right. You know, <laughs> Spears
5: was on the show, and so you thought there was just going to be one. Opening. I think yeah, I thought I was going to get at the end of that season. So, uh, but we
0: started writing together during that period, and uh, was, he's like the energetic one out of the two of us. Yeah, if you haven't noticed already. Right, <laughs> right. So for me, it's kind of like, you know when you see like a shark just swimming in the water and he's got that little fish kind of sucking onto the side of it, just waiting for little pieces of food to float off? That's me. That
5: was <laughs> <laughs> You've attached yourself. I've attached myself. Very nice. Now, you uh, you guys write sketches together. You refer to them as dukes,
4: D-O-O-K, not D-U-K-E. No.
5: Oh, I misunderstood. Yes, okay. yes, that would be way too. It's much too more
4: allegory. scatological than you thought. Yeah. So you're putting down <laughs>
5: your own humor, really, when you yeah. uh, when you do that. Yeah, you want to put it down before you pitch it. That's uh, <laughs> that way. You don't want
4: expectations to get yeah. too high. We well, you know yeah.
5: that's what we've found over the years. is a writer will come into the room, and it, I mean, I've been in comedy a long time. And when a writer comes in and goes, "Wait, do you hear this?" Yeah. <laughs> it's usually the worst. There's no way it's going to get a laugh. Yeah, you can't it, live. You, you up want to that. lower expectations. You can't but, walk
4: in a room saying, "Hey guys, I'm about to roll some diamonds." <laughs> right. <laughs> okay. Better to drop a duke than throw roll, roll some, a diamond.
5: Throw some gold nuggets uh, down on oh, it. <laughs> No you can't do that. Now your show has grown in popularity, your fans are sharing bits online. You think that's helping the show uh, catch on with young people?
4: Immensely. You know? Yeah, I think a lot. I, I, young people are I mean, we've gotten lots and lots and lots of hits. We it's getting it's getting crazy now. It's like mm-hmm. it's like 300 million hits online yeah. of all of our sketches. And we and,
0: we also, you know, yeah. We love, because we also appeal to, like, the parents of the young people, too, hmm. which is great. We're kind of like crossing the family bound, you know.
4: Yeah, like they're watching the show together. Right. And what's interesting is when you see younger people, that, that and they see us, or the people that are sharing the uh, the videos, they're always like, oh, my God, I can't feel, I can't feel!" And then they go on their merry way. But if you're an older African-American male and you like our show, the reaction is very, very
0: different. There it's, are fans. There but... are
4: fans. They like the show, but it's always like, you know, all right, young buck, how you doing? It's good to see you, doing man. All right. Hey, I want you to know, hey, I enjoy the show, man.
0: I enjoy the program, but
4: tread lightly. OK, gotcha,
0: <laughs> yeah. Tread lightly, now. <laughs> to do some racial material. And the older and blacker our fans are, the more they'll have to say to us, this is true. It's like the longer the conversation will All right, go. young, but
4: keep it up. Keep, do, keep doing what you're yeah. doing now. Don't All get it right. wrong, OK? All right, you, you. All right. Hey, you're doing OK, man. All right, it's nice to see you, OK? All right, nice hey, to see you brother, You, like, too, you ain't on thin ice.
0: But you're on ice. Okay, All right, no? thank you, man. So take <laughs> care, young man. Do your anyway, thing, OK? Like a-
5: like, I'm trying to have a conversation over yeah, here yeah, anyway. okay. We were not having a conversation. I mean, keep
0: doing your show. Don't stop doing your show. But remember, you're standing cool. on the shoulders of a lot of people, young man. All right.
1: Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. Sorry about
0: that. It's a fun game. It's important. It's a one-on-one. Hey, keep dude. doing your show. Hey, young Is man. You? Don't stop doing it. You're standing on the shoulders. Oh, really? You're <laughs> still talking to me. We <laughs> shall.
2: So he was, um, he was walking through the, you know, the audience exiting through the door at the top as he was doing the, you want ice? <laughs> the we shall yes. overcome bit, but.
1: Um, yeah, I and mean, then oddly enough, I know what kind of conversations he's talking about. I've never had a wildly popular uh, skit comedy show, but I have, I have heard and been involved in those conversations where I enjoy what you're doing, but watch stuff. You know, it's, a thing. it's a thing. It's
2: a thing. Yeah. <laughs> funny. Yeah. Um I just feel like all all of these various interviews just show you the immense skill, talent that both of them have and it's oh. it, it shouldn't surprise you sort of hearing them talk about all of this stuff how e- or are not easy but how great their things are in Sort of like on that opening thing where he talks about he wanted, or uh, Jordan Peele wanted to focus on the writing. So mm-hmm. it makes total sense that his career has gone the way that it has.
1: Absolutely, yes. Absolutely, yes. So speaking of the magic that they made together, I want to, if you don't mind me going this route this, this, this at this point, Go I want to dabble into some of the other skits. That they've had that, that you and I have have enjoyed. And we've already heard one of the the best ones ever. Yes. Substitute teacher. And there's three of those, as a matter of fact, all equally ridiculous. But I mean, you you can't, I I will gladly argue somebody in the ground that tells me that those aren't good. I will will just, (laughs) I will argue you down. It'll happen. It'll happen. Uh, yeah. So. And I want to, I want to put, I want to point out one of my favorite reoccurring characters was Peel's impression of former president Barack Obama. Now he was doing Barack Obama as, you know, just as a separate character for several skits. Um, and there's one in particular that was hilarious. They show him coming off the stage after speech and he's walking down the gauntlet where everybody's lined up wanting to say hi and shake his hand and all the black people, he's giving them hugs. He's giving these real proper handshakes to all the white people. <laughs> how you doing? Thanks for coming out. How you doing? And then he comes calling a black person. Bring it in. Bring it in. We all we got. We all we got. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and that's that's sort of like what Keith was talking about early about code switching. This. Yeah. Is, this. Is, yeah. This is you know this is how they talk about those real life situations in which. Obama, you know, even though he was a a child of a, a white woman and a black man or an African man in this way, not that he did this in real life, but it was funny that they put this little twist on it saying he may be biracial, but he identified as black. And so he felt more at ease or more comfortable greeting black people than he did white people, which is a hilarious thing to think about. But when you see how they play it. The skit is hilarious. It's it's one of my favorites. And then later on they added um Key as Obama's anger translator. Yes. And this <laughs> the skits were so popular that actual President Obama saw them and, and wanted Key to come with him to the White House Correspondents' dinner and do the anger translator. Get <laughs> yeah. with him on stage. Absolutely hilarious absolutely hilarious
2: yeah there's there's another uh a completely different time they were on conan o'brien and they talk about uh meeting president obama and how Mm -hmm. obama said he was his favorite impersonation of him so
1: oh yes absolutely he had his whole he had the speech down he had the facial expressions he had that calm laid-back demeanor and then when he added in the anger translator he's standing right behind him he's wearing like gold chains and rings just standing there with a mean mug in it, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was perfect. Yeah. It it like I, I would like me and some other people at work would joke about and say, I can't say what I want to, but let me get my anger translator in
3: here. <laughs> <laughs> right.
2: That is one thing about America though. If you become president, if you don't want people impersonating you, you may not want to run for president. Because mm-hmm. it will happen. We have a long standing tradition of comedians impersonating you and if you have a quirk everyone will know about it absolutely <laughs> fairly quick
1: absolutely but um i think what we have on deck is another one of their more popular skits and it wasn't it wasn't necessarily a reoccurring one there was only twice that they did this but it is still fantastic yes. <laughs> there were,
2: there were two of these and then a solo episode of one of the people mm-hmm. that's in the first one that I'm about yes. to play. So, uh, yes. Yeah, this is, they set the world up again perfectly. <laughs> and, uh, here we go.
1: I'm Sorry, that was last. <laughs>
0: alongside Jeff Worthing, and welcome to the annual East-West Bowl. As we get ready to watch some of the best college players in the nation showcase their skills in a classic showdown between East and West. And there really are some characters on this year's squads, aren't there, Jeff? That's right, Dave. It does seem like the most flamboyant personalities came to the forefront, and they are here. Let's meet the players from the East.
4: Demarcus Williams, University of Georgia. T.J.
0: Jackson, Wayne State University.
4: Tavarius Nith-King, Merrimack College.
0: Kyle Royal, Smoochie Wallace, University of Miami.
4: Desquarius Green Jr., University of Notre Dame. Ibrahim Moizus,
0: University of Tennessee at Chattanooga.
4: Jack Marius Tac Theratrix, Michigan State University.
0: <laughs> the Isaiah T. Billings Clyde, Coastal Carolina University.
4: The Jasper Provencrux III, South Carolina
0: State University. Leoz Maxwell Gilliard, East Carolina University.
4: Jamaris Jamar, Jamaris and Lamar, University of Middle Tennessee.
0: Devoin Shower
4: Handle,
0: University of Southern Mississippi. Hingle McCringleberry, Penn State University. Le Duke Marriott, North Atlantic University.
4: Dinklage Morgoon, University of South Florida.
0: X-Miss Jackson Flaxen Waxen, California University of Pennsylvania. <laughs> We're going to be looking for big plays all game long from Tyrol Smoochie Wallace. And let's not forget the tight ends, Ibrahim Moises and Hingle McCringleberry. They've both had amazing seasons. That's right, Jeff. Now let's meet the players from the West. <laughs> Vegetarian Jefferth Ben,
4: Texas A&M. De University of Wisconsin. Swarthmore
0: L. Gooding Splat, Saskatchewan University.
4: Quattro Quattro, San Jose State University. Taz Bush,
0: Stanford University. Leaves <laughs> was 12 Washing Beard, Jones College. Shakira Quan TGIF Carter, University of Northern Arizona.
4: X-Wayne. At deliciousness, Missouri Western State University. Sequester Brundleplit, MD, Adam State. Scorch Velociraptor Malloyce, South Dakota State University.
0: TJ, AJ, RJ, backslashings fourth, the fifth, Albion College.
4: <laughs> San Diego State
0: University. <laughs> Donkey Teeth, Boise State University. Torque. Lewis, Nevada State
4: Penitentiary.
0: The player formerly known as Mouse Cop, University of Missouri, Columbia. Dan Smith, BYU.
1: (laughs) (laughs) When you're listening to it without seeing it, like you're really paying attention to the babes, I'm just. <laughs> I'm laughing like I've never, I haven't seen it like 20 <laughs> times over the years. <laughs> yeah,
2: uh, in Ooh. case you're wondering, it's Tingle McCringleberry that has his own episode or his own skit when he plays in the NFL.
1: <laughs> oh, man. You know full well some of them colleges would not have a player in a bowl game. Okay. sketch one State. What, dude? Oh, man.
2: San Jose, penitentiary. penitentiary. <laughs> ben Smith, oh. <laughs> Benjamin Smith, BYU.
1: <laughs> He's is, he is the most vanilla looking white guy ever. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I can't. I can't tell. I think I laughed until I cried the first time I saw that. And you got to the end and they had him. I was like, what?
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> and he had to be from all places, Brigham Young. Really? <laughs> well,
2: I mean, that is the the whitest place in America probably.
1: I mean, it's I would I would put money on that. I would. I would. But that's just that right there is I'm gonna go with what you said earlier. It it had it's one of the funniest ones in the history of televised comedic. Shows ever, and I will fight somebody who says otherwise I'll do it,
0: yeah, I'll do it yeah,
2: and <laughs> once again, you know he when he was talking about how because it set up this world, but because we all sort of know sports and everything, that's why it plays so perfectly,,
1: mm-hmm. definitely, definitely, and that's I mean, that's exactly what you see when you when you've seen big deal bowl games, all the players with these. Some of them even get, like, you got, if you got the top players, they even get, like, little mini profiles and you see them actually, like, running back and forth across the field. Now, it's all, it's all a big deal nowadays. But that right there, they, they hit the mark on that one. They really did. They yeah. Really did. Yeah. I want to mention another skip that kind of, um, taps, uh, what they, what a lot of what, a lot of, a lot of what they, they talk about anyway. The absurdity sometimes of, you know, racism. The skit is the zombie apocalypse. And he and Peel play two guys that meet up, you know, running from the zombies. They meet up in the middle of a neighborhood, which from all appearances looks like it's predominantly white. All of a sudden they're freaking out because they see one of them coming toward him. And then all of a sudden the zombie makes an abrupt turn. <laughs> Yeah. It goes the other
2: yeah, way. I know <laughs> what you're doing, yeah. It like goes around the other side of the street. It yeah.
1: Goes the other side the street. And they're looking at each other and he's like, What the heck? And all of a sudden they hear music and they go around, you know, around the side of one house. There's about two dozen black people back there having a barbecue. And they, what's explained to them is that they're in a white neighborhood and the white people are clearly racist because they won't attack black people. So they're safe in the Topia Island.
2: (laughs) Damn racist zombies!
1: (laughs) Hilarious, absolutely hilarious. Yeah, it's it's interesting that um, they—that's it is interesting, and I don't know whether or not it it directly influenced anything. But there was a movie, a horror movie that I had seen a few years ago um, about an indigenous tribe somewhere in, I think it was Canada, that during the midst of a zombie outbreak, they discovered that they're immune to the zombie virus because of their indigenous bloodlines. And I'm like, huh. And and it reminded me immediately of this skit, like, that's an interesting turn to take with something like a zombie apocalypse, that you are immune or you are safe basically because of what you've inherited. It's a weird concept, but it works. It really works. They make it work, and it's hilarious because these people are safe as houses in this backyard with the music on because, you know, zombies are attracted by sound. They're back there blasting music, laughing it up, barbecuing. Hey, come on back in here. Oh, what the? (laughs) They want to attack us. Huh? Perfect. (laughs) Absolutely perfect. (laughs) Yeah,
2: yeah. Yeah, Honestly, though, you know, being able to take something that's serious and kind of laugh about it in mm-hmm. a way is is also something that can help. uh Especially, I'm I'm not sure I am not as elegant, obviously, as uh as he was earlier. But you know, being able to laugh at something can help you process through it, and you know, being able to take something that is is shitty and as horrible as racism. But to get somebody to laugh at it maybe is, you know, a step in somebody thinking, you know what? I'm a racist asshole and I need to not be this way. So
1: Mm, I don't
2: know if I worded it quite what I'm trying to get across. There's a thought here and I don't think I'm phrasing it like I want to.
1: No, I think I think you did. It, 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 It makes it more palatable for someone to say, hey. I've seen that kind of thing happen and it might be wrong. And granted, I've heard people say when you're talking about difficult subjects like this, especially those that are, that have sprung up around racism, which are countless issues at this point. But
2: uh, yeah,
1: if you, if you make the presentation of those issues palatable and you, like I said, throw a little comedy and make somebody laugh, they're more likely to be open to the ideas. Oh, wow. White zombies don't attack black people. Huh. Uh, hmm. If you make somebody stop and think, maybe they'll be, be, be more receptive to the actual real life things that these skits are pulling off of. Maybe. Right. That's the idea. Not,
2: not always. I mean, obviously. Not
1: always. <laughs>
2: <laughs> some people will double down the other direction. That's not funny at all. But, that, oh, yeah. that, you know, someone else might see whatever the thing is and laugh about it and then go, you know what? I have, I've seen a the real version of that, and that wasn't funny. That needs yeah. to change. So
1: yes, that's that's the idea. And you know what? I got to back up because we got a correction. It turns out there was three East West Bowl skits. Oh, yeah. Find, um, I'll have
2: to go find the third
1: immediately. Apparently, in the third one, uh, they were joined by actual football players with weird names or unusual names, excuse me, uh, such oh. as I, such as haha ha Clinton Dix
3: yeah. and
1: Ishmaelie Kitchen. And the last player for the West team was played by Aaron Ron Rogers.
2: <laughs> <laughs> That's
1: awesome. I'll find that one immediately. <laughs>
2: Editor Jack here from the future. Uh, There was just a bit where the audio didn't record right; it was messed up, so we jumped ahead about thirty seconds. So that's why it seems a little weird here.
1: It's just a testament, I think, to the kind of things that Key and Peele were tackling on this show. They would, they would, they would have skits about the most ridiculous things that you had never thought of, and would not only would they make you. Interested, they make you laugh about it. And you're like, I never thought about that before. Yep,
2: yep, for sure. Definitely. And that's what good comedians should do.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh,
2: definitely. I mean, everyone sort of... It was a comedian that sort of broke the Bill Cosby thing and made it where that kind of exploded. And it was a comedian that did the same thing with Harvey Weinstein. True.
1: That is true. But it, it... What's what's interesting about it? I can't always tell you off the top of my head what the names of certain characters were, but I can I can think of a line from most of my favorite skits with them. It's it's strange. I don't know. I don't know if yeah. that marks like a disservice on my part that I remember the names, that I remember the skits.
2: Nah. <laughs> nah, nah, nah.
1: Because I'm I'm thinking of because I'll always remember these two, Megan and Andre. And Jordan Peele played Megan, the loud, screechy, annoying girlfriend who, who would always stalk off because she got mad in like 1.2 seconds about everything. <laughs> and Andre was her boyfriend, always running behind the top and said, Megan, no, Megan, no, Megan. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah. Well, we hope that you will go and check out some of the great comedy skits from Key and Peele and even sort of what we talked about obviously on our last episode of In Living Color. and We are at some point in the future going to talk about uh, the the Chappelle show, but we understand that in the last, what, year and a half there's been a little bit of controversy with Dave Chappelle and we wanted to be a little more prepared for it than just a couple of days, so
1: yeah, yeah, definitely that, but it's it's on the books, listening, friends, so stay tuned in in the meantime. We'll have well have good stuff before you, regardless before then, so we appreciate your time again with us today
2: we We definitely do, and um you know. Try not to be churlish with the people you meet in this world.
1: Indeed, because it's
2: hard enough as it is. That's right. We don't need any churlishness. (laughs) Bye, everybody.
1: Bye. As always, thank you for listening to our podcast. If you're enjoying the show, please leave us a review, hit that like button, and subscribe on your preferred podcast platform. Your feedback is valuable, and we welcome it. If you would like to contact, connect with, or just want to see what we talk about between episodes, you can find us on Facebook under our podcast name, on Instagram at K-A-Y-A-N-D-J-A-Y-S-T-W, our website, podpage.com, slash Kenyatta-Jack-Save-The-World or email at k.j.savetheworld at gmail.com. If you would like to learn about and contribute to our chosen charities, you can do so at Service Dog Project at servicedogproject.org and Black Women's Health Initiative at bwhi.org. Kenyatta and Jack Save the World is a product of HyperFocus Podcasts.